Thank you, Billy. Church family, how are you guys doing? Good, good. We have a good bit to get to today, so we're going to dive right in. And I want to preface this message by saying we all know that God is good. We all know he does extraordinary things for each and every one of us. But if you guys will be honest with me today, and I need some honesty, there are times when we pray for things or we ask God for things, and he doesn't respond to them in a timely manner. We get upset with God. When God doesn't answer our prayers as quickly as we would like, we even sometimes, we're questioning the integrity of God. Something that always makes me laugh, there are some times when we ask for a husband and we ask for a wife and God say, hey, just wait just a minute. And we say, no, God, I love him so much I could just eat him up and then we marry him and we wish we had ate him up. <laughs> there are going to be times that Jesus isn't going to respond to us at our earliest convenience and we have to learn to be faithful Today, two words that I want you guys to think about as we dive in, restore and restoration are two words before we dive in here today. For everyone that has their Bibles, turn to John chapter 11, and we're going to start reading at verse number one, a very famous passage talking about Lazarus. John chapter 11, and we're going to start at verse number one. We have quite a few verses to get to, so we're going to stop and pause periodically throughout this message. John chapter 1, we're going to start reading that verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. Good, good. Everybody's quick. It's good. The Word of God says, Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Martha, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord and perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. First thing I just want to point out really quickly, Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha, they love him. They know they have a great relationship with Jesus. So they sent a message to Jesus saying, our brother is sick and we need you. 411, Jesus, we need you. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Let's pause right there for example. So there's an issue. Lazarus is extremely sick. Jesus responds by saying, well, he's not going to die. When you have a great relationship with Christ and you talk to him daily and you're praying and you're going to church, you're doing all these things, you want Jesus to respond in a timely fashion because of your relationship. Let's see how Jesus responds. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What in the world? So when Jesus heard this terrible news, he stayed in the same place two more days. It's like Jesus didn't have the urgency. It's like he was very nonchalant about this emergency. Can you guys imagine bringing an emergency to Jesus? And Jesus said, I hear you, I love you. This sickness is not unto death, but I'm going to stay where I am right now. That doesn't make much sense. When we pray to God, we want him to respond quickly. I have a short little story that I'm going to read. It's in 2 Kings, and I think to kind of illustrate just a little. This is what we want right here. 2 Kings uh, uh, verse Number one in chapter 20, in those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. 
the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came and said to him, this is what the Lord says, set your house in order for you are about to die. You will not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly, and I have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Isaiah had not gone out of the inner courtyard. Listen, like Isaiah hasn't even gone out of the inner courtyard yet. And listen to this. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the Lord's temple. I will add 15 years unto your life. I will rescue you from the king of Assyria. Boom. That's what we want. Everybody in here, we pray, and before we can say amen really well, he has already responded. What happens when he doesn't respond to us in that way? What about when he responds two days later? What about when we can't hear him? Jesus, where are you? Where are you, Jesus? Mary and Martha, they needed Jesus to perform a miracle for them. Jesus then responds by saying, well, he's not going to die. Death isn't the end. So, Jesus, what are you trying to show them by staying right there where you were two days? Maybe he's trying to teach us something. Let's continue to read. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha, his sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you. Are you going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered, if anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. If you underline in your Bible, underline it right here, and I'm on my way to wake him. We're going to talk about what death really means, and so many of us were so fearful of death. We're so fearful of death, and we're going to see Jesus' definition of death, and then we're going to talk about who we are and how we view death. Verse 12 says, Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, and they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe but let's go to him. So Jesus just said that in a few verses above that he wasn't going to die. His sickness isn't until death. And then Jesus just said he has died. Verse 16, then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go so that we may die with him. I always think that's ironic, just, just a little point in fact there. Thomas, just in a few more chapters, we're going to see he's, he's not as believing. He's like, let's die with Jesus. Oh, Thomas, you don't have that much faith, but we'll talk about that another time. So now, let me set this stage. So you have Mary and Martha. They sent an emergency to Jesus. Jesus, our brother, is about to die. The one you love is about to die. Jesus responds by saying, this sickness is not unto death. But he stays right there where he was for two days. Then he tells his disciples, let's go. Why is that important? Our hardships are meant to increase faith and to glorify God. And there are things that Jesus is trying to teach us in day number two that maybe we won't understand in day number four. Let's continue to read. And I love this part of the story. Verse 17 says, 
when Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus had already been dead for four days. I want to pause right there. Jesus, you're late. Jesus, where is your watch? We asked you to be here so our brother wouldn't die, and you're nowhere to be found. I want to continue to read just a little bit. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. Jesus, other people beat you here. We're going through one of the toughest things we've ever experienced as a family, and you love us, and we love you, and we call out for you, and we can't find you. Where are you? Other people are here trying to help us through this. Jesus, where are you? Have we ever asked Jesus that? Have we ever been going through something that's extremely difficult and we're praying and do every, we're doing everything that we know how to do? And it's like, Jesus, where are you? If you write down in your notes, write this, write this down, please. We often expect God to respond to our request at our convenience. Jesus, when I pray to you because I serve you, answer me right now. And what happens when Jesus says, not right now? Can we still be faithful? Can we still look to him? When he's not moving how quickly we want him to move, how do we respond? Let's continue to read. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. And Mary remained seated in the house. That's important. We'll talk about that in a second. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you underline in your Bible, underline there. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is extremely important right here, what I'm about to say. Martha has experienced tremendous pain. Lazarus is dead. She just told Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But listen to verse number 22. Yet even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That is so important, church, because even when her prayer isn't answered in the way that she wanted, even when she doesn't receive, you know, her request in a timely manner, look what she says. I still know you're Jesus. I still know you're Jesus. And whatever you ask God, I know he will give it to you. I still know you're Jesus. But when we get frustrated, church, a lot of times we try to figure out things on our own. We want to help Jesus alone. We'll put our hands in it and mess it up. Jesus, you aren't moving fast enough, so I'm going to go figure it out for myself. I'm going to go figure it out for myself, Jesus, because you're not moving as quickly as I want you to move. I don't know why, Jesus, but I guess I'll try to figure this thing out on my own. But she says, Jesus, I still know that you're Jesus. Yet even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus responds in 23 and says, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus is getting ready to have a mic drop here. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? For people that are in here that fear death, we serve a God that's already defeated death. We serve a God that's already beat death, and he's getting ready to perform a miracle here in a second. Why are we so fearful of death? And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but he responds by saying, I'm the resurrection and the life, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. 
Jesus is getting ready to do some amazing things here, and I'm getting ready to read them, but I want you guys to understand this still. Jesus didn't move on their time. He moved on his time. <laughs> Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha are hurt. Other people got there to console them before Jesus did. This part that I'm getting ready to read to you guys, it almost makes me tear up every time I read it because our Lord and Savior made it clear how much he cares. He made it clear how much he actually cares. Let's continue to read in verse 28. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry. Verse 32 says, as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell to his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the exclamation mark behind that. 33 says, when Jesus saw her crying, if you underline in your Bible, underline these things right here. Right here, I'm getting ready to read. Underline these things. Anywhere where you see where Jesus was moved by her emotion, I want you to underline it. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Why is that important? Mary's emotions and her hurting and her having all these emotions balled up inside of her, Jesus loved her enough where he could feel her. He understood her. He sympathized with her. How amazing is it when we're going through something extremely difficult, our Lord and Savior can sympathize with us. Because I know for me sometimes, if I'm going through something that's extremely difficult, sometimes I can feel isolated. Sometimes I can feel like I'm being a burden to some, someone else. How amazing is it for our Lord and Savior to be moved by what moved us? That's amazing. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who have opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? There's always a skeptic. There's always someone there to just seem just to test our faith. I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Have you ever asked God for something and you're holding on to the little bit of faith that you have in someone? Well, he didn't come through last time. You've been praying all day. You've been praying all week. It's the, still the same result. You've been praying for your husband for 20 years. You've been praying for that son or daughter for 20 years. They're still out there. He's still crazy. There's always going to be someone. Always. There's going to be a skeptic. And I'm going to ask you a personal question. How do you respond when your prayer isn't answered in the way that you want him to answer it? I want you guys to say, teach us, Jesus. Thank you. Teach us. We're, we need to learn. We're getting ready to get to the meat and potatoes of this sermon. Verse 38 says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone was lying against it. Move the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Don't miss what I'm about to say here. Jesus gives a command to Martha, 
gives a command to those that are there. Could you remove the stone? And she does what we do. When we go through something that we haven't been through or we're struggling to believe, this is what we do. We respond with human logic. We respond with our facts. Jesus, he's been dead four days. He smells. He smells, Jesus. You're late. You came here too late. He's in this cave. He's already, he's dead already. He smells. Let me tell you guys something. When Jesus is getting ready to do something in your life, don't try to ruin it by your facts, by your logic. Jesus is sitting there. I'm getting ready to do something supernatural for you, and you want to talk about your facts. You want to talk about how long someone's been that way. You want to talk about how long you've been praying. Jesus is saying, My, this right here, what I'm getting ready to do for you, this supernatural miracle that I'm getting ready to do for you, has, it's way better than any of your facts. It's more powerful than any of your facts. But for many of us, this is what we do. Well, Jesus, I've been praying forever and nothing's happened yet. I've been serving yet. I have, I've been serving all this time, Jesus. They still get the person that does the least amount of work the job, Jesus, I don't know. We will mope and complain and throw a pity party rather than trusting God to do what he came to do. Somebody say, remove the stone. When the stone is there, remove it. I don't care how heavy it is. I don't care how long it's been there. Those strongholds that you've been praying against, those things that's been plaguing you, that addiction that you've had. I don't care if it's 20 years. I don't care if it's 30 years. Remove the stone. Then something beautiful happens here. Verse 39, remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Verse 40 says, Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? He's talking about something that he's already had a conversation with her about. Didn't I already tell you that you would see the glory of God? But what happens a lot of time, we will look at the situation and we'll look at how dire the situation is. I can think about when the guys were on the water and Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. I can think about Peter and he's already walking on water and that's a miracle within itself. But the Bible says when he looked at the strength of the wind, he started to sink. We have to learn to fixate our eyes on Christ rather than looking at how bad the situation is. Because the power of Christ supersedes any situation. All human logic and our facts. I don't care what your facts are. What Jesus is getting ready to do supersedes those facts. Facts, they don't matter now. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41 says, and if you underline in your Bible, underline this. So they removed the stone. This is a beautiful picture of community and small group and church. Martha stood up and said, well, Jesus, he smells. He's been there for four days. And then right here it says, they removed the stone. There are going to be times in your life where you're going to be going through something and you're not going to have the know-how and sometimes the will and the, the determination to be able to get through it by yourself. So you need someone in your small group to help you move the stone. You need someone in your small group that's going to pray for you when you don't feel like praying for yourself. You need someone in your small group that's going to come to your house every day and knock and bang on your door, even when they were just there yesterday, and they're getting on your nerves and you don't want to answer the door, and they're saying, you're not going through this by yourself. We're over here every day. What are we eating? What are we eating? 
We had pizza yesterday, okay, let's get something. Let's get Osaka today. Let's get some Chick-fil-A tomorrow. And you're like, man, these people are wearing me out over here. No, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And I know you're going through a tough time, and your faith is a little weak right now. So guess what? I'm going to let you borrow some of mine. I'm going to be right here with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to hug you. Because you're not going through this by yourself. We're not going to let you feel defeated. But what happens when we're struggling and we're going through things? This is what we do. We isolate. We cut off all the lights in the house. We cut on the saddest music that we can find. Watch the saddest shows, the saddest reruns. We sit in the house and we mope and we cry and we throw a pity party. For whatever reason, and, and adults, tell me this. Throwing a pity party does not make us feel good. Why do we do it? Because we feel we deserve it. We feel we deserve that pity party. Jesus, I've been praying to you. You hadn't answered my prayer, so I'm going to sit over here and soak. Then someone sends us a nice Bible verse to try to lift us up. We look at it. We won't even read it. I don't want to hear that right now. I don't need any Bible right now. Just let me have this water and cut these lights off. Leave me alone. You need some people that's going to jump right in there with you and remove that boulder. Let's continue to read. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Listen to this, church. You guys look at me. Heard is past tense, which means that Jesus has already talked to God about something that he's getting ready to do. Don't miss it. That's the place to shout. He's getting ready to perform a miracle. He's getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he's praying in front of this crowd for a reason. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. For someone that's here today and you're just a crowd, you just trickled in behind someone else because you got invited here. Jesus is praying for you so that you would believe. So that you would believe. And let me tell you guys something. When Jesus is getting ready to perform a miracle and we're close to it, I just believe if I'm sitting there and I'm watching Jesus perform a miracle for Lazarus, you know what I'm thinking? I'm next. Lazarus, today is your turn. Tomorrow, Jesus, I need you to wake up something that's dead in me. Jesus, I need you to restore me, restore this relationship. God, I know I've been crying and I've been frustrated, God, but I know that you're still Jesus. I know that you still sit on the throne. I know that you're all powerful. Jesus, I just had a moment. I just had a moment, Jesus. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you would have been here, we wouldn't have had to go to the hospital. If you would have been here, Jesus, my son and my daughter, they didn't have to go through that. Jesus was like, I understand that, but what I'm getting ready to do is not only going to bless you, it's going to bless everybody around you. It's getting ready to bless everybody around you. Because you're not the only person that needs to see it. You're not the only person that needs to experience it. Someone say, my turn. I like it. Be a little, my turn. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I always want to giggle when I read that old preacher told me one time. He said, hey, I tell you what, if Jesus would have went in there and said, y'all come out, everybody in the grave would have got out. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out bound hand and foot in linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. I want you guys to see this. This is beautiful right here. Another image of community. 
Jesus just performed a miracle. Someone that's been in the grave for four days has just raised to life. That's amazing. That's great. Lazarus is the perfect depiction of what happens when we're dead in our sins. We're dead in our sins, and Jesus brings us to life because of what he did for each and every one of us on Calvary. But listen to this. Jesus said to them, because he was wrapped, his face was wrapped in cloth and strips of clothes and all this, unwrap him and let him go. Even though the miracle had been performed, he couldn't move freely. So he needed some people in his community to help unwrap him. There are going to be some people that's going to come to Christ and they're still going to have certain things that are on the side of them. That's going to be hurting them and plaguing them and they don't feel like they deserve Christ. They're going to be struggling with their faith. And you and myself and our church family, we're going to walk right beside them and say, guess what? You're going to walk forward anyway because Jesus already said right here in this word, loose him and let him go. Loose her and let her go. The things that have you bound, whether it's that addiction. And if I could be honest with you, sometimes I believe the, the toughest addiction is someone not believing that they're worthy of Christ. People that will come to church, but they'll sit all the way in the back and they try to stay away from everybody. People that have a strong testimony. I want to minister just for a little bit. People that have strong testimonies, whether they grew up and they never knew Christ and they battled with drugs or battled with some other things and, and a ton of addictions and people picked on them and talked about them and threw them away, said they weren't unworthy. Sometimes those individuals will come to church and take everything that they have in them to get to this point. And then sometimes they'll just stay in the back or they'll listen through the window or whatever. And sometimes I want to run and grab that individual and just parade them right up here on the stage. You know why? The Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony, and there is something about being able to see the work of God happen in someone else's life. We're so judgmental about what someone else has been through, and we need to be applauding those individuals for allowing God to work in their lives because we were all dead in our sins. All of us. All of us. It's a beautiful thing when God works in someone's life. Jesus, but you were late. We have been calling on you for so long, and we sent a message. Why are you two days late? For you guys to take notes, Jesus wants to teach you something in day two that you wouldn't learn in day four. Day four, he's getting ready to do a miracle and bless so many people. Day two, we need to learn. I also think in this story, this specific story, we see how Jesus actually views death. First thing he says is he's asleep. He's asleep. Then he drops a bombshell and he says, and he tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Church family, why do we fear death so much? Why do we fear death so much? When we serve a God that's already beat death, death is a gateway for us to go live with Jesus, and there's nothing sad about that. But we're so fearful of death, and in this, even in this story, we're so fearful of death. For you and for I, for everyone that's here today, let's stop fearing death because Jesus has already conquered it. 
He's already conquered death. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 18 that he has the key to death. He's already conquered death for us. We see in this passage how it's so easy for us to lose sight. It's so easy for us to lose sight of the power of God because we choose to do what we want to do and use our human logic. And we want everything to make sense. It doesn't make sense to me that Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus and Jesus stays where he is. But he's getting ready to perform a miracle. He's getting ready to perform a miracle. How many of you need a miracle done in your life? Can you be patient and can you trust Jesus? Can you be patient and can you trust him? Jesus shows his authority by speaking life into Lazarus. Then he tells Lazarus, the things that have you bound, people around you, you're going to loose them and let him go. And this story, the story is to glorify God and to strengthen our faith. And I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor as I get ready to close. This story allows us all to sit down in a specific seat. Each and every one of us. And I'm getting ready to read a few things, and I promise you guys this. The things that I'm getting ready to read, each and every one of us fall in one of these categories. You don't have to tell me which one involves you. But for each and every one of us that are here today, we have to sit in one of these seats. For the person that's grieving, for the person that's experiencing loss, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a death, and you're struggling, and you're doing everything you can to hold it together. And for whatever reason, it just seems like you can't get any relief. Maybe you've been going through this for a while now, and and you're saying to yourself, where are you, Jesus? Verse 23 and verse 25, they're perfect examples for you. Mary and Martha, they're perfect examples for you. When we're grieving, a lot of times, it takes so much strength just to get up and move. And all of us handle grief differently. And I've heard it said like this once, when you're grieving and you lose something or someone that's near and dear to your heart, a part of you dies. I've heard that said. What if I told you that, thank you, Jesus, (laughs) that we serve a God that has the power of resurrection? Because those very things that can die on the inside of us, Jesus has the power to revive Our Lord and Savior wants to walk with us. When you're grieving, we see right here in this story how Jesus was troubled because of the emotions of Mary, because he cares. He cares. The second person that I want to talk to today It's the person that's struggling with addiction. The person that gets up every single day trying to do their very best to be their very best. And there are certain triggers throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year 
almost like they're just poking fun at you. You can't get past this. You can't move forward. You've been struggling with this forever, and you're going to ever for struggle with this. I want to talk to you just for a second. Even when you're struggling, even when you don't feel worthy, Lazarus and looking at his story is a beautiful way to encourage yourself. You're dead in your sins. Jesus wants to call you to life. You're wrapped up with all your struggles. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Loose her, let her go. Satan, you can't win here. It doesn't matter what you've been struggling with and for how long. The power of God removes those bounds. And like the famous song, he breaks those chains. For the third person, and I want to spend a little bit of time here. To the unbeliever, we've been in the book of John for a little while now. I'm going to be very pointed. How many more stories do you have to hear? How many times does Jesus have to save you, come through for you, bless you, encourage you? How many miracles do you need to see performed? I think about the people here. Many believe, but if I continue to read, you know what it says, that some people went and they told the Jews they had a meeting at the Sanhedrin and they were trying to figure out a way to kill Jesus. How many more Sundays have to come by? How many opportunities? How many times have you sat here or in a church and you feel like God has been calling your name, talking to you specifically, and you force yourself to sit in that seat? It takes everything in you to just hold it together. I've been in church services before, and I've been sitting behind people, and they're so overwhelmed with emotion, and it's like Jesus is saying, come on, today is your day, and they're doing everything that they can to fight it. They're sitting right there in that seat. They have hats on. They'll put, it, they put the brim really low, or they'll get up, and they'll go to the restroom, and they'll wash their face. They'll fight desperately to sit in that seat, and Jesus said, I have another seat for you. How many more sermons do you need to hear before you totally surrender to God? One of the most powerful things in this sermon is when Jesus prayed for the crowd because he wanted them to believe. God, I want them to know that you sent me. I want them to know that you sent me. If you don't know Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, why not today? Why not today? Don't allow that seat to hold you anymore. I know you're ready to walk in the newness of God. And it doesn't matter what you look like, where you're from, what you've done. 
It's about what he did. The fourth person that I want to talk to today is that person, that mother, that father, that grandparent, that sister, that brother, and you have been on your knees praying, petitioning the throne of grace every single day for someone else. You've been doing all you can every single day, praying that God would touch that person, reach that person, use you to minister to that person. And it's like, God, I've been waiting on that opportunity. And Jesus, where are you? You're late. Jesus, I'm worried if they're going to run out of time. Jesus, can it happen today? I've been praying for years. I've been laying out before you. I'm your child. Hear me. I want to encourage you. And when you're praying the next time, I want you to say, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me right now? What are you trying to show me that I'm missing? But I also want to encourage you, just like this passage encourages us. Don't mistake God's silence for him being absent. Don't mistake God's silence for him being absent. Because day four is coming. Day four is coming. And I want you guys to know this. If you're in day two and you just read the story and you know day four is coming, why not shout day two? Why not shout like it's already done? Because Jesus said in his word, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That means Jesus had already prepared and had a conversation with God about what was about to happen. And so if what's about to happen, it's going to happen. Even though we can't see it physically yet, can we praise God in the present for what he's going to do? I often think of when I ask God for something, and it hasn't happened. I often try to have like a countdown. If it didn't happen today, Jesus, it's going to be tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, Jesus, it's going to be the next day. And the reason that I try to do that in my mind, because I think I'm one step closer to that miracle. I'm one step closer to that deliverance. I'm one step closer for that family member coming to Christ. I'm one step closer of that, for that healing. I'm one step closer being able to use my influence to be able to minister to someone, I'm one step closer. From beating addiction. Just want to encourage you, keep praying. Keep learning. Keep trusting God. Day four is coming. 
The last person that I want to talk to today is the person that fears death. And if we're all honest, at some point, all of us fear death. Every single one of us. Let's not fear something that Jesus has already beat. And I mentioned this earlier that death is only the gateway for us to be able to get to where he is anyway. And just like in this story, Lazarus being dead, Lazarus had a smell. I don't know how many of you guys hunt, but when someone's cleaning a deer and something, that deer could be, just that day that deer could have died. That, that smell is pretty bad. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. It's an impossible situation. Just like many of us, we were in an impossible situation. You are an impossible situation. And Jesus raised you to life. For you that don't know Christ, Jesus is getting ready to raise you to life. Let's not fear death. Let's not fear death. And as I close, what an amazing testimony. For someone on their sick bed, have people love them enough to say, Jesus, we need you to perform a miracle. Jesus shows up late. And the worst of worst had happened. They've been weeping and crying because Lazarus did. Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would still be here. And Jesus said, I have something else in mind. I'm about to do a miracle that so many others for generations are going to be blessed by. I'm getting ready to show death who has the power. I'm getting ready to bring back your brother. I'm getting ready to restore him. Can I minister to you? God's getting ready to restore that relationship. He's getting ready to restore that faith. He's getting ready to use you like he's never used you before. Just trust God and realize that he's asking you to trust him. As I close, you close your eyes and we get ready to pray and the worship team can come sing. This is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. If you don't know Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, don't allow that seat to hold you any longer. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do not allow that seat to hold you any longer. If you know Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, allow him to teach you something in day two that you can't learn in day number four. Rather than complaining and allowing our frustration to remove our faith, 
It's okay to be frustrated at times, but realize that Jesus is still Jesus. And his power is going to change the situation. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this story, a wonderful story of restoration and resurrection. It's amazing how you restore Lazarus' life and how you use community around him to make a difference. There are so many times, God, where we become so emotional because of the things that, we, that we're going through currently and the things that we've experienced. And our faith sometimes wavers. Our belief sometimes wavers. But it's comforting to know, God, that Mary's emotions moved you and that you have an amazing heart and you care for us. I'm asking God as we get ready to leave here that we realize that no matter what the situation is, God, no matter how bad it is, no matter what the facts are around the situation, no matter the human logic, that your supernatural power, God, supersedes all of it. Allow us to realize, God, that it doesn't have to make sense when you're involved. Allow us to realize, God, that you're just all-powerful. And for the individuals in here, God, that are struggling, whether they're grieving, whether they're struggling with addiction, whether they're an unbeliever, or whether they feel you're not answering their prayer requests quick enough, God, I just ask that we continue to look to you. That our hearts are pointed toward the cross. And God, we'll be so careful to give you all glory and all honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.